One of the things that we see about the Son of Man in Daniel 7 is that he is coming again, and he's coming with the clouds, power, and great glory. Sometimes we underestimate the power of our Lord, the power of Jesus Christ. This is the one that we follow, and even when times get dark, he is the one who's coming to rescue and judge the world. Do you know him? Well, we're going to learn more about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, in Daniel 7 today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. This is Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus' sermon about his return given from the Mount of Olives. This is Matthew 24. Look at verse 29. Matthew 24, 29 says... Jesus speaking, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man, Matthew 24, 30, will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on what? Coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Now, Those are not rain clouds. I think all scholars would agree those are the glory, Shekinah glory clouds that kind of is like the cloud that descended upon the children of Israel in the wilderness wanderings or hovered over the tabernacle and temple. And he, the Son of Man, will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together, the angels will, his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Flip over to Matthew 26, just the next chapter. Here's Jesus. He's being tried unjustly, illegally. Matthew 26, 63 says. The high priest, go back to 62, said to him, do you make no answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent The high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you've said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you shall see, who? The Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, if you're, if you know your Bible at all and you're the high priest or you're part of the council, what are you referring to? Daniel 7. What's he saying He's the son of man in Daniel 7. He's the Messiah. He is divine. And of course, the response is telling. The high priest tore his robes, saying, He is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What are they saying? They're saying that Jesus has just said he's God. He's the Messiah. He's the son of man from Daniel 7, 13 and 14. What more do we need? We got him to admit it, if you will. Well, Jesus wasn't really hiding it. Of course, his miracles bore witness to who he was. Back to Daniel. And so we see the throne. We see the timing is interesting as you try to navigate, if you've been studying and reading through some of the commentaries on Daniel, and you see the different views and you see the different scholars wrestle with it, you have to see that the return of Jesus Christ is in the midst of these descriptions of this last beast. So it gives you an indication of the timing, doesn't it? 
Of all that we may not know, here's what we do know. This dream, these visions that Daniel sees are in a last day's context. They are in a context of the return or second coming of Jesus. And by virtue of that, they're yet future to us. At least this aspect is. Everybody with me? So for all that we might struggle with interpreting, here's what we do know. Jesus is coming with the clouds. He's identified himself as the Son of Man, verse 13. He's presented before the Father or the Ancient of Days. And to him, Daniel 7, 14, to the Son of Man was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language, no exception, might serve him. NIV says might worship him. This is an Aramaic word because remember, we're from Daniel 2, moving through Daniel 7, it switched from Hebrew to Aramaic, and then we'll move back to Hebrew. So the word serve, if you have a New American Standard, is translated worship in the NIV because the word, if you look it up, can mean either. If you want the word, it's pelak, P-E-L-A-C. It means to serve, worship, revere, or minister, or serve. And so Jesus Christ is going to have people from every tribe, tongue, and nation serving him, which we see in Revelation. His dominion is how long? It's an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom, unlike these other kingdoms, will never be destroyed. And all God's people said, Amen. praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. What's the point, Daniel? Here's the point. Babylon seems so strong. Maybe Medo-Persia seems so strong. Greece, Rome, and this final world empire is going to be dreadful, terrible, a crushing machine. Even, we're going to see, making war with the saints at least for a time and prevailing. However, our God reigns. And Jesus Christ is going to destroy this final beast with the glory of his coming, with the breath of his mouth, the, the glory of his coming, as we read in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. And you are part of that kingdom. And so if you happen to be here in those last days, here's what you need to know. You need to know that Jesus is coming. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be going home. But these are the events that Jesus said you are to look for to know that his coming is near. You will see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet. That's in Matthew 24, 15. And so in many ways, Daniel 7, 13, and 14 is a vision of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Here, he's called the Son of Man. And it's a vision of his second coming and his coronation as the ultimate King of kings and Lord of lords. Here's when he takes the kingdom, if you will, and begins to reign, Revelation eleven fifteen. Here's where he will make all that has been wrong right. Here's where, where every knee will bow, including yours, by the way. If you're a person listening to this message and you're not a believer yet, your knee is going to bow. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? Amen. To the glory of God the Father. And so, good that you would bow now. <laughs> Amen? Instead of having to bow later. Now, what's Daniel's response to these visions? Some people might say, man, Daniel had to be freaked out. He had to be intrigued. He had to say, man, prophecy, eschatology, yeah. 
But you know what Daniel did? Daniel said, verse 15, my spirit was distressed within me and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. He wasn't so much intrigued as he was alarmed, although he's intrigued about the last beast and he's going to specifically ask about it. I mentioned this in verse 15 because some of you will walk out of here alarmed tonight. And if you do, and many of you walk out alarmed after my sermons, I, I understand that. <laughs> Just know that you're in good company if, if you leave that way tonight. Daniel says, I approached one of those who were standing, standing by generally would be considered an angel here, and began asking him the exact meaning of all of this, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, if you had a shot to ask somebody who was shiny hanging around, <laughs> what does all this mean? That's what I'd like to know. What's the meaning of all this? And so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, 17, which are four in number, and we've studied those, are four kings, here's the interpretation, who will rise from the earth or the sea of humanity in verse three. But the saints of the highest one, that's God's people, will receive, they won't usher in the kingdom, they'll receive the kingdom in God's time, God's way, and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Did everybody read that? How long is the kingdom of God gonna last? Forever. These kingdoms that look so mightily, mighty, whether they're Babylon or Rome, or if you were living in the time when Nazi Germany was on the rise and trying to take a stand, maybe you were part of a, a nation that was attacked and it looked like things were very bleak, well, the kingdom of the highest one will last forever. You see, we will reign with him forever and ever. On this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. The Lord God will wipe tears from all faces. He will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. That's Isaiah 25, 7 through 9. Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, this scary one that wasn't like any other animal, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron, its claws of bronze. We get a little bit more detail. It had claws of bronze and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. You can imagine what Daniel saw, just like when John saw the Revelation, the last book of our Bible, and how many weird, freaky images he saw and tried to maybe interpret through the lens of his time. Daniel's seeing the same. And so he sees the claws of bronze which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, the other horn which came up, that little one we saw earlier, and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts and which was larger in appearance than its associates. Okay, so up on the screen, here's the seven um, empires. Remember that on the, in the last box that you have there, um, uh, the last box on the right, upper right, the following empires came against Israel while in their land, Daniel's time and future, so... We moved from Egypt and Assyria to Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. Okay, we talked about Rome. Um, 
This is a verse to write down. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but you can go and look up this message on the website. Um, it's talking about... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... We are entering the holiday season, and more specifically, Thanksgiving, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface. It's a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance. Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. You can imagine what Daniel saw, just like when John saw the Revelation, the last book of our Bible, and how many weird, freaky images he saw and tried to maybe interpret through the lens of his time, Daniel's seeing the same. And so he sees the claws of bronze which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. And the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, the other horn which came up, that little one we saw earlier, and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates." Okay, so up on the screen, here's the seven um, empires. Remember that on the, in the last box that you have there, um, uh, the last box on the right, upper right, the following empires came against Israel while in their land, Daniel's time and future. So we moved from Egypt and Assyria to Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. Okay, we talked about Rome. Um, this is a verse to write down. I'm not going to get into it tonight, but you can go and look up this message on the website. Um, it's talking about the end times and how these uh, seven kingdoms line up with Revelation 17, 10, and 11. So that's something just for your review. I'm going to skip that quote. The characteristics of this coming world kingdom. Um, the fourth kingdom has a second phase. We talked about a revived Roman Empire the ten toes have a connection to the ten horns, okay? They'll be ruling at the time of the return of Christ, which we saw in Daniel 7, 13, and 14. And we see the connection between the statue and its feet and the Ancient of Days setting up an everlasting kingdom, that rock that crushes the statue and then the everlasting kingdom that's set up. This is what I wanted to especially put up for those of you who I said I would try to give this to you. This is the seven things I gave you last week. These are going to be the aspects of the final kingdom, seven points. There are going to be 10 kings ruling at this time. They will, at a given point, choose one man to rule over them. This is Revelation 17, 13. Number three, it will be a kingdom at war with the Lamb, Revelation 17, 14, but will be destroyed by him. Number four, he, the Antichrist, will have world dominion. He'll be a dictator over the entire world, Revelation 13, 7. His rule, number five, will include fierce persecution of the saints. There's the verses. 
It will consist of a religious system, a one-world religious system, mandatory worship or you die. You take the mark. You can't buy or sell. You got to have the mark or you're in trouble. And a one-world economic system that goes with the mark of the beast. Okay, Those, I'm going to leave that up there for you guys. But if you take notes while I'm talking, it will be hard to do both. But anyway, I'll leave that up for you um, so you have it because I think it's important for you to understand. In verse 20, the Antichrist pictured here is uttering great boasts and he's blaspheming God. And I kept looking, 21, at that horn and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. So there's gonna be a time when this beast wages war with God's people. Who are these people at this time he's waging war with? Well, we know it's going to be Israel. And we know it's going to be the saints. We just ask the question, which saints? Tribulation saints? <laughs> Hopefully saints that don't include moi, right? None of us have a, a martyr's complex, right? Hopefully the pre-tribulation rapture view is correct. <laughs> because if it is... <laughs> If I had a vote, I'm voting for that. But as you know, I don't hold that view. But this is, there's room for debate. But he's going to make war with the saints and overpower them until, keyword 22, the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints. Now, notice there's a coming here and a mention of the Ancient of Days, which is an interesting link to what we saw in 7, 13, and 14, to Jesus' coming. And judgment was passed in favor of the saints, of the highest one, of God. He's the most high. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. So when that time comes, the Lord is going to judge this final world empire, destroy its leader, cast him into the lake of fire and give the kingdom to his people. And we will enter into a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. We call the millennial reign of Jesus. And we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And that's when we see all the beauty of that golden age and peace in all my holy mountain. Let me just show you a highlight of that. Revelation 22, last chapter of your Bible. Revelation 22, this is so beautiful, and I think we need to remind ourselves over and over of what's ahead, especially in light of what we go through, uh, the losses that we suffer, the difficulties that we face. Revelation 22, 1 says, and he showed me, says John, a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's no fire for God's people there's just the beauty of living waters. In the middle of its street, Revelation 22, 2 of the New Jerusalem here, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse. See, this is why we die, because we're under a curse right now. And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. 
And there shall no longer be any night, and there shall, they shall not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them. And they shall reign, what's your Bible say? Forever and ever. And he said to me, because these words often seem too good to be true, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must shortly take place or the things that will move rapidly once they commence. And so you can see in, in verse 20 of the same chapter, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Our cry, come Lord Jesus. And then he ends it with the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Back to Daniel 7 and we'll finish it. And so this fourth beast continues to be intriguing and terrifying to Daniel. And Daniel 7.23 says, Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush us. Crush it. It will be a ferocious anti-God movement. I was listening to KKLA over last weekend, and um, I, I'm trying to remember the, the host's name, but he, he was talking about uh, church planting in Cuba. And uh, there's a story, and it's anecdotal, so you can take it for what it's worth. You check it out on Snopes, and you'll get different opinions as whether it's real or not. But here's what they say happened. Either as the military entered into a classroom in Cuba, or a teacher did this, and maybe both. What they did is they had the kids pray and ask God for candy and open up their hands and say, God, please give me candy, and nothing was in their hands. And then they said, ask Castro for candy. And they put out their hands and candy was dropped into the kids' hands. Which is a way of saying there is no God. Castro's your God. Your government's your God. You see, God can't provide for you what you really need. What you really need is a good government to give you all of your goodies. So we live in a world today that has largely moved that way, right? How many nations do we see that under socialism have moved that way where the government is the answer to everything. And many times those governments are anti-God. They have to be atheistic to have their government structure work. So I know those of you who are watching the political world right now can see the connection to the United States. And what, what's being fed to our young people about the answers you know, for our world and healthcare and whatever else. But just watch out. Do a little bit more homework on socialism and see what it's produced in the world. Bread lines and ugly things. And so notice that the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. We, we, when we studied Revelation, and I've left that up there for you, you can see the connection as you study Revelation 13 and 17. Out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. And this is why some see some sort of confederacy of nations, whether it's Europe or Islamic or whatever it is. And another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous one and will subdue three kings. This is why this could be one of the markers that we may not talk about a lot, that there'll be some sort of confederation of nations, and one will subdue three and take leadership. 
You can wrestle with that one, but that may be something to look for in terms of just the world news reports that pop up at this time. And he, this one that we've been looking at in the chapter and in Revelation, will speak out against the Most High. He will begin to blaspheme God. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 say, says that he will want to elevate himself ab above every so-called God so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself as being God. Paul says, don't you remember when I was with you, I was telling you these things? That's why people are keeping an eye on Jerusalem, because they're saying if a temple arises, oh boy, fasten your seatbelt. Because the Antichrist apparently is going to go into a rebuilt temple, proclaiming that he's God, and by virtue of that wanting what? the worship and allegiance of the world. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, coming up on Thanksgiving. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH, and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.